0: You're listening to The Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message.
1: Amen. Now we're going to move into a time of hearing from God's word. And so if you would take a moment and pray with me. Father God, we give you great thanks and praise for your goodness, for your life-giving word. We pray today that as we open it, would you speak something to us that would challenge us, that would convict us, that would encourage us, that would give us hope that sustains us. We are here to glorify you and to hear from you. We come with broken hearts, uh, bended knees, uh, ready, willing, expecting, anticipating to hear from your Holy Spirit who abides in us and works through us. Would you be blessed? We say and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are doing a series on Stand Firm. Uh, This is the last Sunday. We are moving into our summer series. Of course, we don't know what's happening with self-isolation measures. We're getting lots of different um, directions from lots of different direction. And so uh, we will keep you uh, abreast of the situation as we know more. Uh, But we'll be moving into our summer series next week. And I have some really great ideas I hope you tune in for. But today we're going to wrap up our series on Stand Firm. I'm both going to amplify what we have already been saying and try to bring to light the severity uh, and importance of what we've been saying. Um, We are in this epistle called First Peter. It's a book near the end of your Bible written by the Apostle Peter to his church. They're fledgling, they're struggling, um, they live in a world that is really difficult to live in. I don't know if you can relate. And so we spent a couple weeks in First Peter and now we are going to wrap up today's uh, message. He's writing to his church, uh, his lovely, beautiful church, and he's going to give them some parting words, some ideas, uh, some final thoughts Maybe before he even passes, right? He, he, he feels the persecution coming and he's not sure uh, he's going to be around for very long. And so these are some of his final words to his church that he loves dearly. We're reading out of these sections today a couple of verses in chapter four, a couple of verses in chapter five. You want to look up the whole thing, you can. But we'll be pointing to these verses about what, what Peter wants to say to his church. And he starts off this way Dear friends, don't be surprised about the fiery trials that have come among you to test you. These are not strange happenings. The word strange and the word surprised is the word, we get the word xenos from it. Maybe xenophobia, you know the word. It means stranger. And what he's saying, and surprised is is a guest that you should show hospitality to. Um, So he's saying, don't act like the fiery trials that you're going through is an unwelcome guest. Is someone who just showed up randomly on your doorstep. He said, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. So I want to talk a minute about surprises, because Peter wants to talk about surprises. There's a, here's the thing about surprises, is that when they're good, they're good, and when they're bad, they're bad. Life is full of surprises, some good and some not so good. That came from the Colombian drug smuggler, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> surprise, he really did say that, right? Uh, some good
0: first Pablo Escobar quote for, uh, at the table?
1: But not the last, I assume. <laughs> when they're good surprises, they're good. But when they're bad, they're really bad. I know some people who want to avoid bad surprises so much that they don't like any surprises, right? They don't want to be surprised at all. Bad surprise is really an unmet expectation. An unmet expectation or maybe even unrealistic expectations have the power to pull us. When things don't go the way we think they should, it can really mess us up. It can mess up our picture of God. It can mess up a picture of our life. It can mess up our picture of church. I know lots of people who've just been hurt because they've had an uh, expectation, maybe an unrealistic expectation that wasn't met. Peter's church, these folks are saying, listen, we're good people. We're doing the right thing. We're serving a good God, watched after by a good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Things should be easier than this. Things should be good. And I imagine you've had that exact same thought because I've had that exact same thought. I'm trying very hard. Why isn't this getting easier? And it's just not. Just not. It just can be hard sometimes. And so, before we move into what Peter's trying to talk to us about, I was going to question my panel here. How do we deal with bad surprises? What are some things you can do? Tips, tricks, hacks. I'm going to keep saying words <laughs> until you give me an answer. Practices.
0: <laughs> um, I exercises. <laughs> Well, as you could tell, I get really super quiet. (laughs) No, no, no. Actually, the opposite. My my tactic is to usually call it out and make a ton of jokes about it. Mm -hmm. If I could get people laughing about whatever happened. uh, I I mean, if it's like a really, really bad, like, we can't laugh sort of thing. But if it's like, you know, somebody says something inappropriate. (laughs) Like, what? I can't believe they said that. Um, i try to i try to just make it light and like everybody's feeling awkward already um i mean really bad surprises you just yeah it's you can't make light of those but the ones that you feel like you can't well i make i may make light of ones that i shouldn't too though (laughs) so maybe that's a bad tactic but i kind of try to make a joke out of it if i can
2: yeah uh, I'm 175 percent terrible <laughs> at <laughs> handling bad surprises. And when you were talking about this, I was like thinking to myself, um, like birthday, anniversary, Christmas, things like that. I'm terrible at oh, yeah. gift surprises. Me too. Opening gifts and in front of husband, people. My husband, bless <laughs> him dearly, Lord. He tries so hard to do <laughs> what he thinks is going that I'm going to be super excited about. Um, and sometimes he hits the nail like he really does, but sometimes he is very far from it. Um, (laughs) and so for me, I can roll with it for the most part, but my face can't, my (laughs) face cannot roll with it. (laughs) And it it shows Uh. all the unsurprise in my face. And so sometimes I have to like prep myself. So that I can check my face when it comes. So I'm terrible at surprises. I'm constantly yeah. like, just tell me what it is. Is yeah. Is it is it, a, is it a gift that you think that I want? <laughs> or is it a gift that you know yeah. it's one of the 150, you know, yeah. screenshots I've sent you yeah. sometime this year. And you know <laughs> that it's going to be the perfect gift. Like, which one is it going to be? Um, so I can tell my face uh. later. So I'm terrible. That's all yeah. I know. I'm just terrible at it.
1: As I was thinking about this question for me, I was thinking pretty similar thoughts of like, Uh, Good surprises are good. I just had uh, my birthday, and uh, folks, friends uh, gave me a a parade, and I was totally surprised. And it was a good surprise. um, And I was—I mean, I had no idea. And so, good surprises are good. But I've always thinking about the bad surprises in my life. Like I can think of a time I got laid off from a job, and I just—I remember how light I was before that, like how excited I was to be there, and I was trying to like bring energy to the crew and boost morale. And then I got the word that I. was getting laid off and how difficult that was for me of like, I thought I was doing my best and apparently it wasn't good enough. Like it makes you question a lot of stuff or when you receive bad news on the phone. And so I was like, I can think of three or four times where someone called me and told me something horrible. And I think my general practice is to avoid the phone, right? And so I don't know if I handle bad surprises well, but one of the things I try to do what we've been talking about in weeks past um, is that idea of like, assuming that Jesus has gone before me and assuming like giving myself space to take a breath when you get some, and maybe even like Matt's saying, like verbalize the surprise of like, Hey, this is coming at me quite a bit. I'm going to take a moment to process this. I'm not good at it, but that's what I would like to do to handle bad surprises. Right.
0: Can I tell a quick funny story? Yeah. When I was like seven or my parents still tell the story when I was like seven or eight, I really wanted a red flyer wagon, you know, those red wagons that you pull, you know. And so, uh,. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they tried to hide it in the garage, on like the top shelf and like the far back. You know, it's like a few weeks before Christmas, and we pull into the garage and I go, "Oh, there's my wagon," <laughs> and so, and my mom freaked out. <laughs> she was so upset. So whenever it's kind of an inside family joke, but whenever there's like a surprise that we figure out early, it's yeah. like, "Oh, there's my you know, <laughs> there's, there's my, my whatever." There's like, <laughs> and so there's my wagon. Yeah. And so that in that moment, it was to process. It was just like, no. Oh, Just going with it. She was mad about the surprise being ruined, huh? Totally ruined. (laughs) Well, you know how we
1: preach head, heart, hands here at the table? Something for us to know, something for us to experience or feel in our hearts, something for us to do with our hands. It gives us a holistic faith that moves from our head to our heart to our hands out into the community. And the first thing I think Peter wants us to know with our heads is this. He wants us to know the surprise thing. He wants us to know, don't be surprised. Keep your eyes on the Christ. That should be your. Let's see how many typos we can point out today. Don't be surprised. Keep your eyes on the Christ. Here's where I'm getting this in the passage. Dear friends, don't be surprised, right? These aren't strange happenings. Why can he say that? Because I get the logic of his community. His community is saying we're good people following a good God. Things should be a little better than this. Yet he says this. You share in Jesus' suffering now so that you may also have overwhelming joy when glory is revealed. You rejoice, he says right before that, as you share Christ's sufferings. Here's what he's saying. As Jesus was, so we are now. Jesus went through fiery ordeals. Jesus went through suffering. Jesus went through hardship and troubles. And we are now. And as Jesus is now, exalted, glorified, uh, uh, outside of those problems, uh, we will be. And he says, if we're following Jesus, we will go through the stuff that he went through. Jesus was like one of the most hated men of his day. He went through fiery ordeals. He went through hardship. Uh, no one liked him who was in power. No one liked him. From from, from the church to the government to, to the wealthy to, to the people in power, they struggled with him. And as Walter Brueggemann says, one of one of the people I listen to theologically, he says, Jesus wasn't crucified because he was a nice guy. Right. There's just a way in which he graded against those in power and those with authority. And he says, if you're going to follow him and if you're going to bear his name as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, you can count on going through the stuff that he went through. So so don't let it be a surprise to you. Don't let it be an unwelcome guest that shows up on your doorstep. It's not strange. It's exactly what Jesus went through. And we're going to go through the same thing. I just said all this. Everyone hated Jesus. Everyone did. So don't be surprised if you get a little bit of that. If you get a little bit of that too, right? That is going to be uh, the cross we bear as we bear Jesus' name. And so last week we talked about uh, embracing adversity is how we minimize anxiety. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Maybe instead of getting surprised, we, Peter's telling us to welcome it because it's coming. If you follow Jesus, you are going against the grain of this world. You are going upstream from this world, and there are just going to be troubles that are unique to our situation, and we're just going to have to figure out how to navigate those. And the best thing we can do is not let them take us by surprise. Because if we get surprised, that means that we have not been thinking correctly about what it means to follow Jesus, and we might have some unmet expectations that totally derail us and, and, and incur hurt onto us in our hearts. And so I have a question, maybe a little bit uh uh lighter, but you both have jobs. Um what were some of the hard parts Kind of <laughs> in this moment? What were some of the hard parts that people warned you about? That they said if you're going to do this profession, this is the thing you need to be on the lookout for. It could be silly, it could be deep, whatever you want to however you want to answer that question.
2: Um. Well, number one, this question is <laughs> hard for me when I think about jobs because I I wear a lot of hats. Yeah, so I'm like I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna pick nursing for right now. Yeah, uh, and I think what I don't know that people warned me, but I I guess so. Um, was I got into nursing because I wanted to help people? That was that was my idea to to nurse people back to health to help them, but. What I found out along the way was that, really, there's so much about people's health, obviously, that there is zero bit I have control over. So, I mean, I can, um, you know, they can be on medications and I can monitor their blood pressure or whatever it is, but ultimately, like, they have to go home, they have to take the medicine, they have to do the exercise, they have to do whatever it is, and no matter how much I, I love that person, that patient, whomever, like, I can't control Uh, any of that and it's completely out of my control. So as a nurse, sometimes it feels frustrating or a medical profession um, that you can't help them. Yeah. That It's just, you can't.
1: And that's probably really frustrating for them.
2: Yeah, it feels a little bit like failure. Like, did I not educate them well enough? Did I not remind them enough? Did I not send enough, uh, you know, reminder emails, phone calls, whatever it was? So yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit. um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking on their end. Do they get? I'm sure that creates frustration for them and anger. Like, why isn't this getting better? <laughs> like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm under your care, yeah. and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, that's hard. Teacher Matt.
0: Um, Husband yeah, I'm Matt? a teacher. So, um, the thing that I was mostly worried about is that um, kids are exhausting. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. No. What? kids are absolutely exhausting um they're wonderful and they're sweet and they're beautiful i have three
1: kids i'm only like 23 but i look like i'm
0: 50 (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh pretty much and uh i think i think i was warned very heavily about that and i still didn't know the extent and uh it's like man and then there's like teachers with kids and i'm at like home and I'm like, what? How do you guys do that? Oh, and then I'm like, uh, I am so sorry, Mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've, I've been sorry for a while. Not really sorry because she was a teacher too. Um, and it's like, how do you come home to – anyways. So I was warned heavily that kids are exhausting, but um, I'm uh, they're more exhausting than I was warned. I was also warned that they were wonderful and they're more wonderful than I was warned. That's good. So it's, you know, it's kind of just more extreme. I think you, there is an element of like to any job or to anything that you do, yeah. um, there's things that you don't understand until you do it, yeah, sure. you know. Um, when I think about being uh, married, it was just like when, you know, we'd sit in a pastor's group and I'd be like, I don't know if I want to get married. And they're like, you just got to do it. It's wonderful. But we can't <laughs> tell you. We can't tell you. And I'm like, give me some sort of facts about how this is wonderful. <laughs> they're like, well, I mean, we can give you some facts, but you just don't know. And then now, almost a year in, it's just like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. there's so yeah. I think that that's true for most jobs, yeah. uh, especially the jobs that sure. are the most rewarding, um, is that there's you get warnings, but yeah. they're never to the extent that yeah. you um, experience first-handed, yeah. first-handedly. And then um, you also don't know the benefits as yeah. much as you get yeah. warned either you know absolutely so it's it's uh that's just the nature of having a good job yeah i i think uh jobs that aren't as rewarding maybe you don't get as much warning yeah. uh too um but um yeah maybe but the at least the ones that are rewarding you get warning because people care and you have to add extra passion to the ones to the to the good jobs anyways yeah. i don't know
1: and I'll just say for kids, you you nailed it on the head. It's it's way more exhausting than anyone can ever communicate to you, but it's also way more wonderful than anyone can communicate to you sometimes when they're sleeping. For me as a pastor, uh, the thing that people uh, warned me about um, was that people have a lot of expectations about what a pastor should be. Even people who don't go to church have some idea and expectation about what church should look like. And so one of the people warned me about that. One of the lines we use is that a lot of people want a pastor who's 35 years old with 40 years of experience, right? It's just an impossible feat. It just can't be done. Um, and so one of the things that we felt like when God was calling us to this place was that we, we had a vision and, and we had some direction. But every everybody also has an expectation about what church should be. And so navigating what we felt like God was calling us to versus what people were coming with and the expectations they had and trying to manage those, Uh, that was a really difficult spot for me for a long time of just trying to uh, hold on to people's expectations, uh, let them down as graciously as possible in a way that they could accept at a rate that they can accept, but also listen to their ideas and let it hone and craft the vision that we felt like we received again what we're getting at is almost every job has some aspect of it that someone warns you about and that's what peter's doing matt's going to tell us about facebook and then i'm going to get back to the passage
0: absolutely Um uh, misty uh is talking about i always hear as an art teacher that it's hard to find to even find a job yeah. um and absolutely amen misty i'm a music teacher and we know how the arts are like the first thing cut and uh, it's especially nerve wracking this coming school year, you know, so I hear you, I'm amening you. Um, yeah. but I will also encourage you. I thought that I was never going to be a music teacher and then God put me in the exact perfect place for me that changed my life and I get to love kid and your wonderful kids too. So, um, yeah, keep praying and keep yeah. seeking the Lord on that. But I totally hear you. It's, it's scary. Wanting to teach what you love and not being able to just because of lack of opportunity. So we'll keep praying for you on that for sure. Thanks for chiming in, Misty. So this is what Peter's talking about. He's saying all these
1: identities or professions, they have um, warnings that people try to give you so that you don't get surprised, so that you don't get burnt out, so that you don't have unmet expectations that that disillusion you to the whole thing. And Peter's saying as an identity, of as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, one of the surprises that shouldn't surprise us is that we're going to go through hardship. Jesus did. We will. It is not an unwelcome guest. In fact, he says it it could do a lot of good in our life if we're willing to not let it surprise us and we're willing to welcome it in. Let's move to our next point, heart. What does Peter want us to experience or feel? There's so much going on in this passage about feeling language, like overwhelming joy, he says. Uh, But what I want to pinpoint here is the outcome of hardship and jesus he says our savior will make us secure strong and stable listen to what he says after you've suffered for a little while the god of all grace the one who called you into his eternal glory in christ jesus will himself restore empower strengthen and establish you look at the outcome that that jesus wants you to experience that if you can go through this and not let it surprise you But use it, let it hone you, let it shape you, let it make you strong. Jesus wants to use this to restore you, empower, strengthen, and establish. Look at this video. I only can show a little bit of it. I hope it works. Come on, work. It's not going to work. This is the Silver Dome in Detroit. December, December 3rd, 2017, they rigged that thing full of explosives. Rigged it full of explosives and they were going to demolish it because they thought it was old and it was going to fall down and all these explosions went off. All these explosions went off.
0: <laughs> Imagine in your mind. <laughs> all these explosions went off and the thing didn't fall down. Yeah, it was super dangerous. <laughs> right. I, I heard that it was. They like it was. I heard about this story. They,
1: they The whole thing. Oh, there it is. Look. Now what do we do? City leaders were like, we didn't realize it was built so well. They were like, maybe we just have to let gravity do its work. They didn't know what to do. They had to rig like twice as much explosives on it for the next day, and it finally came tumbling down. Can you imagine being
0: the guy that's like (laughs) in the building, like, oh, I got to get these explosives in there. Yeah. The next day, like putting up more (laughs) explosives. (laughs) That guy deserves some hazard pay. I like think they just should have flown F 16s over it. Just <laughs> pfft. but, anyways, that's my thought. It was built really well,
1: it was rooted, it was established, it had a good foundation. I think about that when I think about this passage of like being strengthened, established. These words that Jesus is using they're all like edifice language, they're all like language that has to do with strong buildings, stout. And that's what Jesus wants for us, that like even when bad stuff comes, even when explosives come, even when like the storms come and the bombs are dropped, like we are able to stay strong. Peter wants us to know that hardship helps us heal to the point that we're actually stronger than we were before, to the point that we're actually growing through it. And that we'll come out the other side more weathered, more wise, more able to withstand he says at the end of it, God will give us a strong foundation so we can be deeply rooted, grounded, and strong. My question for the panel. Restore, empower, strengthen, establish. Those are the four words. Any one of those sticking out to you? Which one of those do you want? Which one of those are you looking forward to? Which one of those would be really helpful right now? I'm going to keep asking questions while you guys think about it. <laughs> I,
2: I think for me, establish. Yeah. Okay. You know, we are... what. Well, are we two years in this building? One year in this building? A little over a year. I just feel like um, for us, we're still a baby. We're still new, and there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and uh, a lot that's coming coming to fruition. But there's still a lot um, a lot of establishing that we need to do. For me specifically. Uh, It would be youth, youth group, youth services. Um, I love the youth in our community, and I believe very, very strongly that, well, uh, just the reality of it, they are our next generation. They are our next set of uh, county county councilmen and uh, presidents and and mayors and governors and all of that. And I just feel like, uh, man, they just need our love. They need our support. Um, And one of the ways that God has called me to do that is through um, ministry and youth group and and all of those things. So, um, yeah, esta- getting that established and establishing relationships with those in the community that are already doing those types of things, Axiom and, and the NAS and FCC, and, uh, yeah, so. I
1: love that. That's a lot different than I thought we were going, but, <laughs> I, no, I appreciate that. You're thinking broader community, and you're broader for our church, and uh, as we're still young, what does it mean for us to be established, and how do, how does that mean that we're pouring into the next generation? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Matt? Um, for me, I'm in a, a, a time of strengthening mm-hmm. of just um, we've seen we've kind of um, personally, you know, starting uh, help starting stream and then help starting the table at th- about the same time. Um, that was all either restore or begin establish, I guess. And um, and so now that we're a few years in here and uh, personally getting married and things like that, uh It seems like we've established some things, um, but I'm really looking to bolster and strength. You know um, what I do, and then what we as organizations do for the community. So I'm kind of in a strengthen, um, maybe empower, but mostly strengthen. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at.
2: Yeah, and I I just hearing you say that, I also love like the way that the Lord brings folks together, because. Uh, for me, and maybe some of you don't know, but you two were, you were the groundsmen. You were the ones that really got this vision going, and I came along kind of midway. I'll just call it midway. Um, So I think now I can lean into you guys a lot more for that strengthening, and you've been here, you've done that, and now get my feet on the ground and kind of get established and, and put some more work
0: yeah, well, pretty early still. Early. Still, yeah. Yeah, still pretty early. Um, but First yeah, yeah and, and, uh, and James, uh, just to give him props, because I apparently have to do that every week now. Uh, but he's really good at empowering. And I feel like he's really empowered you, Miranda. I know he's empowered me. Um, and that's what good leaders do. And yeah. so um, uh, I'm going to say that James is empowering. <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't answer <laughs> the question for you. But I have that seen is you mine. Do that. <laughs> okay cool well I have seen that <laughs> but not so.
1: this passage is not about me empowering others as much as um, being empowered by God and, and one of the things that I'm oh. constantly learning because of my own makeup, because of my own traumas and issues is that like uh, I can't do it by myself and so um, and, and the more I can lean into God's power and strength, um, which is what I what I'm sensing Peter talking to me about through this passage uh, the better off everyone's going to be. Uh, the less tired, the less strong, the less my own feeble ideas, right? The more we could tap into what God is asking us to do and rely on his power to do it, uh, the better off I think everyone will be. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking the question. Do we got anything going on here?
0: Um, Aaron says, "Empower sticks out to me. So many of us are unaware of the impact and influence we have on those immediately around us. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen, Aaron. And you don't even have to be explicit in your empowering. Yeah. It could just be like, be who you are, encourage and love them and they can feel empowered by that. And, uh, that's Christian witness, right? Absolutely. There's something different going on in, you know, Aaron, uh, you know, as, and us. And so, um, hopefully they'll say, What's going on with Erin? She's always, you know, this way, or she's always so gracious. and So that's cool, Erin. Yeah. Thank you for sharing.
1: Shout out to Erin. I've seen some other people. Uh, Hari. Hi, Hari. Hari says hi, Mom. Uh, Jacob Coffer, Bonnie Long, Stephen Chalet, Sydney Coleman, Misty, Chris Button. Hi, Julianne. Hi, uh, who else am I missing? Chris Kell. It's just good to be with you. Hi, Alice. Um, heading into our last point after those shout outs, what does Peter want us to do with our hands? and into the community. He has something very specific that he wants us to do, and then he gives us some points what he wants us to do with it. Here's what he says, stand firm. It's the name of the series. It's like in the mo- it's like in the movie when they say the title of the movie, it's like, "Hey, he said it." That's what he wants us to do. The whole thing is about standing firm. He even says it in our scripture. Look what he says. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under God's power. That's why empower sticking out to me. I got to go a little bit further ahead in the scripture that he may raise you up in the last day. Throw all your anxiety onto him because he cares about you. Be clear headed, keep alert. Your accuser, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm. I didn't even bold the S because I was so excited. It was standing right there, standing firm. Stand firm, he says, in the faith and do so in the knowledge that your fellow believers are enduring the same suffering throughout the world. Peter encourages us to stand firm in the faith and gives us some clues on how to do that. I got, I think, four or five here. Uh, First, he says, humility is key. Humble yourself under God's power. If you think you can do it by yourself, you're wrong. And if you're trying to do it by yourself, you're going to get taken out by the devil who's prowling around like a lion seeking one to, to devour being by yourself is the quickest way to be prey uh, to, some, to, this, to this predator that we have seeking after us. We need to have the humility to know that we need we need the help of others, the guidance, the power, the wisdom of others, which is ultimately what I think Peter's talking about in this passage. I'll get to that. Number two, God cares deeply about you. Throw all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. Take off that B. I over copied and pasted. This is one of the most important verses out of First Peter, and I pray that you would memorize it. Throw all your anxiety onto God because God cares about you. I I think about this verse all the time, that Peter wants us to know that we don't have to hold the anxiety, that God is willing to hold our anxiety with us and for us. He's not asking us to go it alone. He's empowering us, asking us to humble ourselves into his power and knowing that he cares about us and holds our anxieties, our worries, our concerns. God cares deeply about you. Cast your cares upon Jesus. That's right. Cast your cares. Number three, what is it? What's behind door number three? Come on, slides. Know you have a spiritual enemy. If you don't know this, you're going to get blindsided by it. If you ignore this reality, it can come at you pretty quickly. This is one of that don't be surprised things. Your accuser. This is the one that wants to tell you that you're bad, that you're, you're not good enough, that, that you've messed up too much, that people don't like you, that you're too ugly, whatever it is. You're never, never going to get there. Your accuser is the one who lies to you. This is the one called the devil. And on the prow, roaring like a lion, Peter says, seeking to devour. If you don't know that you have a spiritual enemy, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you upside the head. You need to know this. And Peter wants you to know that this is war. And how we fight this war is that we be clear-headed and we keep alert. Peter literally uses the Greek phrase, gird the loins of your mind. Take your robe and tie it up and get ready to fight or run. And he says, do that in your mind. Make sure you don't have any loose baggage that's going to trip you up when you need to fight or run. Because you need to be clear-headed, sober-minded. You need to stay alert because this person's on the prowl. And you need to be able to resist, resist this spiritual enemy. And then lastly, he says, you're not alone. He says, do so in the knowledge that your fellow believers are enduring the same suffering throughout the world, that you have solidarity, that people can empathize with you, um, that you're not, you're not unique in the sense that you're the only one facing these struggles. So you can rely on the collective wisdom of your community about how to resist, how to move forward, how to stand firm in your faith. Ultimately, uh, what, I want you to notice what Peter does. He says, yeah, you have a spiritual enemy someone that's coming after you, this is war, but you are surrounded. That spiritual enemy wants your life to be worse, but that's the middle of what Peter's talking about. On the outskirts of that, surrounding that, is that God cares about you with his power and the community suffers with you in solidarity. You will overcome your hardships by being surrounded by Jesus and your community. That's how we stand firm. That's how we resist. That's how we stay alert and clear-minded in the face of hardship. Question to the panel. What are you focusing on this week and why? Out of the things, out of those five. Humility. God cares deeply about you. You have a spiritual enemy. This is war or you are not alone. Any one of those sticking out? I know I gave you a lot of sticking out questions this week. So first thought that comes to your mind
0: uh it it, the first thought that comes to my mind it's really hard to hear the uh you are not alone (laughs) just because it's so it feels so lonely right now um but uh it is a good reminder um i'm not necessarily focusing on that mine is probably like uh this is war uh (laughs) the girding of of the loins of your mind it's like the most sensitive parts of my mind um Uh, the enemy knows how to just like get it it, like that self-talk cycle that I get in Um, just you know the piece you're a piece of trash uh, uh, self-talk and um, man it's really easy to get because a bit because busyness can stave a lot of that off Um, but man when you're not busy anymore and you got a lot of time to think it's like yeah, uh, it's an easy way to, and it just seems like, yeah, you just can go for the most sensitive parts of my mind, and Absolutely. Um, so I guess it's you have spiritual enemy, and this is war is kind of where my mind's been at. So
1: we did not plan the music with the sermon, but we literally sang this morning. You are not alone, uh, it, dude. Okay,
0: so <laughs> full transparency. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, we don't uh, coordinate the songs with the sermon. And oftentimes, they 100% line up.
1: <laughs> when you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same in need of mercy, huh? I love it.
0: Anyways. It's all you got to lean on, <laughs> but thank God it's all you need, right? Like, <laughs> and uh, I think that that's Holy Spirit stuff yeah. is like when it just lines up yeah. uh, and when you sing Confir- a song. Confirmation um, for sure. And I think that there's response songs that all apply too. So Amen.
1: Do you have an answer for this one?
2: Uh, no okay <laughs> that's fine you past pass I, well i just think <laughs> I, i'm I'm leaning into the humility maybe a yeah. little bit uh ultimately i think what i'm focusing on lately um and then especially this past week is like is is my truth is like saying it out loud yeah. because i i am a good person that like i I'm good. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not what i meant that is true <laughs> I am a person that is good at rolling with the punches and yeah. so I take a lot of stuff in and then I and then I move forward and, and we're not gonna stop. This train's gonna keep moving. Yeah. But I don't often express whatever my truth is yeah. and so but then I hold people accountable for that. So I feel like that's kind of like leans into this humility of like breaking down like I am still a human being, I am still a person, things still bother me or whatever and I can't expect those around me to know that if I can't put words to that and say that. Yeah. And, um, and that's me the humility part of that would be me not me trusting that i don't have to do this alone yeah that god god's a big part of it and letting him help me i love that
1: so you're not saying you are not alone is not what you're focusing on because you're like i don't mind being alone i'm actually leaning into being alone (laughs) (laughs) i hate being alone (laughs) i'm actually needing to be humble enough to like invite others into my stuff yeah that's great
0: sam uh lackey hi sam hi sam she says, mine would be the spiritual enemy and knowing the anxiety is temporary. God will guide me through it all. Amen, Amen. Sam. That's, that's great right. to hear. I love that. Uh, for
1: me, I, I so I'm, what sticks out to me is this is war, but that's... Always what sticks out to me when I get under stress, I'm like ready to argue and I'm ready to fight when I can. And so I actually need to pull back from that. And I need to focus on maybe the you are not alone part in that, like how I'm going to weather the storm and how I'm going to help others weather the storm is through the power and care. Of God and through the wisdom and collective suffering of the community um, knowing that people are with me knowing that people can teach us and me and to, and, and help be that community for others and also uh, allow that community to be that for me and so so I need to let go of this is war because I'm ready if you want to fight uh, but I, I need to
0: realize that, that fighting isn't uh, fighting each other is not how uh, I'm going to win the war, and I think humility and this is war are kind of connected, right? Because it's like um, you are right all the time. That's true, but sometimes you got to be humble enough to just let people be wrong. That's right, <laughs> and, and maybe the maybe what's speaking that to was me a is a joke, everyone. Yeah, maybe the, my enemy
1: isn't the, the community. My enemy is the spiritual enemy, and the, and those are different. And and so maybe not. Maybe I need to redirect the war, or at least just mm. lean in on the solution side. Of like community. That's a good word. Um, Let's summarize this and move into a time of communion, would you? Uh, So we had heart and hands. Peter wants us to know with our head. uh, He wants us to understand. He wants us to really get in here that um, we don't need to be surprised by the hardships. That Jesus went through this. And following Jesus means finding ourselves, at least in this world, in hardship. Let's minimize the surprise and keep our eyes on Christ. Welcome in. Embrace that adversity. Welcome in. It's not an unwelcome guest that showed up randomly. We know it's coming because it happened to Jesus. With our heart, he wants us to experience, feel all kinds of things. Overwhelming joy. I just keep coming back to that. I feel like I say joy a lot. But the end result of our hardship is that Jesus will use it to make us stable, secure, and strong. Jesus has good stuff for us. If we're willing to walk through it with him, appropriate it, use it. And with our hands, what does he want us to do? He wants us to stand firm. I'm going to end the series with that. In the face of spiritual enemies, by knowing that God's power is for us, that God cares deeply about us, and we are not alone, surrounded by Jesus and a supportive community. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this time together, that we may hear from you, about how to walk through the most difficult experiences of our life. Give us the wisdom. Give us the ability to not be surprised. Uh, Give us the goal and the hope that we will stand secure, stable, strong in you and ultimately help us to lean into those ways that you want us to stand firm by resisting our spiritual enemies, by leaning into our community and humbling ourselves under your power knowing that you care deeply about us. You are a good God. And we are grateful that you care so deeply about us. We thank you for the community that you have given us. Would you use us as part of that community to be life for others? And would you use others to be life for us, mutually supportive, empowered by your Holy Spirit? And in saying so, Lord, now as we come to a time of communion, would you Uh, be present in these elements and in us your Holy Spirit so that it would be spiritual nourishment as we live out what we've learned today would you be on the bread and on the juice so that it would help us to get strong to get secure to get stable in you ultimately Lord we just desire to be closer to you and closer to one another as you commanded, to love you with our whole hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Would you help us to do that? And would this time of communion be a place where we can meet you, to experience you, so that we can receive your power to do just that? We say and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.